on your Bible, as the case may be, to Hebrews chapter 4. We continue talking about the various means of grace that God has given us so that we might remember and rest in and rely on His love for us. We have talked about worship as a means of grace. We've talked the last two weeks about the Word of God as a means of grace. And today and next week, we will uh, think together about prayer as a means of receiving God's grace by faith in Jesus. So, hear the word of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 12 through verse 16. This is the word of the Lord. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning um, grateful for your word and its work. We ask that you would, by your spirit, do the work that needs to be done in us, your people, today. And uh, come Holy Spirit, and, and not only expose our need, but drive us, encourage us to take our need to the one who has mercy and grace for us. This is what we want this morning. Would you do it in this short time we have together? In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I remember a time when our oldest, Abby, uh, had to go to the doctor for a test. And she was anxious about this visit to the doctor, more than a little anxious, actually. And while the doctor was checking her vitals, you know, listening to her lungs, listening to her heart, the doctor said, honey, girl, your, your heart is beating out of your chest. What is going on? And she said to the nurse, hey, come here, listen to this. And the nurse listened, wow. That's really pumping. And she gave, she put the stethoscope on Abby's ears and said, listen to this. Abby's like, yeah, I guess I'm a little anxious. I wonder what kind of test you're going through right now. 
I mean, if you're a parent, you're always going through a test, aren't you? Every day is a test. We're worried about these precious ones, whether they're young or grown. We're always concerned for them, and our ultimate concern for them is, will they love and follow Jesus? Students, you're facing tests all the time, aren't you? You're stressed. But it's not just actual tests, it's, it's the grades that those tests produce, it's friendships or lack of friendship, it's, it's anxiety over how people see you or if people see you at all. It could be the test of a strained marriage or, or a marriage that is not strained but it, it's stale. Maybe work is demanding more of you than you have to give. You say, what else is new? Loneliness in this season of COVID could be your test. Many of us are caring for aging parents. Some of you are the aging parents. So many changes in our lives. And some of you have lost someone you love dearly or you're afraid you're going to? What, what test is causing your heart to beat rapidly? If Jesus were to put a stethoscope up to your chest this morning, what kind of heart would he hear? Would it be an anxious heart? Would it be an angry heart? Would it be a weary heart? confused heart, a doubting heart, a heart that's weighed down with guilt and shame. If Jesus listened to how your heart beats toward him, what would he hear? Frustration with him? Not sure you can trust him with what's most important to you? Wondering if he's really even there at all or, okay, maybe he's there, but does he really care? What kind of heart is beating in your chest this morning? We just read in Hebrews 4 that Jesus can hear it. He's able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And by now you might be thinking, well, I don't, I don't know what I want Jesus to hear. I don't, I don't even know if I want him to hear it. I mean, that verse said that we're all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I'm, I'm not sure Jesus is going to like what he hears in my heart. I don't like feeling exposed. Can we, can we move out of this part of the sermon and on to some good news? I just don't like being needy. Man, I feel that. I don't like being needy, or at least not being seen as needy. But I am. I'm so, so needy. 
But before we jump off the examining table and run out of the office, let's listen a little longer. Yes, verses 12 and 13 tell us that Jesus can hear all that's going on inside our needy hearts. But what if you could hear his heart beating for you? What if you could put the stethoscope up to his chest and hear how his heart is beating for you? That's verses 14 to 16. Listen to his heart for you. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, our confession, our our faith in him. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as, as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when the Holy Spirit puts the stethoscope of this word on the chest of Jesus, we hear that the heartbeat of Jesus for sufferers and sinners like us It sounds like this, mercy and grace, mercy and grace, mercy and grace, and it beats on and on with mercy and grace. And when you're being tested, and that test tempts you to doubt his heart for you, Jesus wants you to hear his heart so that you'll draw near to him with the confidence that you'll receive that mercy and grace from him to help you in your time of need. One of the Puritans said, weak Christians pray most. (laughs) Weak Christians pray most. Those who can do least for themselves have most need of grace to help them and should seek it most. They do. Weak Christians pray most. But why? Why can we come with our needy, but confident hearts to the throne of grace in our times of weakness. Why can we do that? Well, the author of Hebrews tells us, first it's because the heart of Jesus that beats for you is an undefeated heart. Verse 14, he says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Jesus is the great high priest, and it's sort of a redundancy to say that. High priest itself means the great priest. The greatest of all the priests is the high priest. So it's kind of strange to say the great, great priest. But Jesus is unique, and the word that the author of Hebrews uses is mega. He's the mega high priest. He's the greatest of the great priests. Every other high priest passed through a a curtain in a temple to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat to cover the the sins of God's people once every year. And they did it year after year after year. Unless the high priest entered in, sin would continue to win. But Jesus didn't go through a curtain. He passed through the heavens, this says right into the presence of God 
once and for all time because he had defeated sin once and for all time. Later, Hebrews will say that all these sacrifices and priests were but a shadow of the good things to come. So all those other sacrifices, all those other high priests were a shadow, and Jesus is the one who cast the shadow. He is the great high priest, the undefeated high priest, who did what no other high priest could do for sinners. He perfectly obeyed the law for us. No high priest ever did that for the people. They couldn't. They were sinners themselves. He offered himself as the Lamb of God for us, shedding his own blood for us. No high priest ever did that. Only Jesus does that. He rose to life again, proving that his one payment for our sin was forever acceptable to God. He passed through the heavens to sit at the right hand of God, where he now continually prays for us and pleads his perfect life and precious blood for us. He's a great high priest. So when you feel defeated by all that's going around, going on around you and all that's going on in you, you have access to the throne of grace because Jesus is there undefeated for you. He didn't have to keep offering for sin every year, year after year. Sin didn't win. Jesus did. He's undefeated. And so when your heart beats weak, 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 Jesus' heart for you beats strong, 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 strong. When your heart beats defeated, 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 Jesus' heart beats for you, undefeated, undefeated. When your heart beats defiled, Jesus' heart beats undefiled for you. But there's more. How could there be more? There's more. The heart of Jesus is not only undefeated, it's understanding. God wants you to know that just because Jesus is now in heaven doesn't mean he's disconnected or disinterested in what's going on in your life right now. Verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So you can also come confidently to the throne of grace because his heart not only beats for you, it beats with you. He is able to sympathize. That word literally means to suffer with. He suffers with you. There's no one like him. Your suffering, God's suffering heart beats with yours. Why? Because he was tempted as we are, or tested. That, the word that is often used there for tempted and tested is the same word. And, and it, it's a test in the sense that God wants to test or to strengthen your faith through the trial, the pain. 
But it can be a temptation because your enemy, the devil, would also like to use that painful trial to tempt you to draw away from God, not near him, to not trust him instead of to trust him. So because Jesus was tested as we are, his heart, his suffering heart can beat with us. Jesus knows what it means to be tested in a way that tempted him not to trust his father's heart, not to trust his father's will. And yet, with loud cries, he said, not my will, but yours. So our Jesus' heart beats with understanding because he was tested as we are in every respect, in every way, Listen, Dane Ortland says this better than I could, and listen to what this means, that he was tested as we are in every respect. He says the reason that Jesus is in such close solidarity with us is that the difficult path we are on is not unique to us. He has journeyed on it himself. It is not only that Jesus can relieve us from our troubles like a doctor prescribing medicine, it is also that before any relief comes, he is with us in our troubles like a doctor who has endured the same disease. Jesus is not Zeus, he says. He was a sinless man, not a sinless superman. He woke up with bedhead. He had pimples at 13. He never would have appeared on the cover of Men's Health. Isaiah said he had no beauty that we should desire him. He came as a normal man to normal men. A normal man to normal women. He knows what it is to be thirsty, hungry, despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, misunderstood, falsely accused, suffocated, tortured, and killed. He knows what it is to be lonely. His friends abandoned him when, they, when he needed them most. Had he lived today, every Twitter follower would have canceled him. Every Facebook friend would have unfriended him. He will never unfriend you or cancel you. But the good news continues. Jesus Heart beats with understanding because he was tested as we are yet without sin. Now, this is where it gets confusing. How can Jesus be understanding of me as a sinner when he never was one? Well, because he suffered in his temptation, in his testing, more than we suffer in ours because he never gave in to it. You've seen those guys on the Weather Channel who are fighting the hurricane force winds. They're pressing up against them, trying not to get knocked down. C.S. Lewis says that um, Jesus is like a man who fights against the wind and never gives in. He never lays down. And so he alone knows how strong the wind is. He alone knows how strong the temptation is. That kind of resistance requires more human suffering, not less. 
So yes, he can be understanding of you as a sinner. He knows the power of it better than we do because he never gave in to it. Well, then how can Jesus be helpful to me as a sinner when he never was one? How can he be helpful to me? Maybe he can be understanding, but how does he help me? Again, Dane Ortland helps me here. He says, since our sinless high priest is not trapped in the hole of sin with us, he, he alone can pull us out. His sinlessness is our salvation. But it's not just about him pulling us out. Not only can he alone pull us out of the hole of sin, he alone desires to climb in and bear our burdens. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Paul says. Friends, this great high priest who is undefeated but who understands you is right now in the throne room of heaven praying for you, pleading his own sinless life and death and resurrection for you. What would it be like to hear his prayers for you? What would it be like to hear his intercessions for you? Louis Burkhoff said, it is a consoling thought that Christ is praying for us even when we're negligent in our prayer life, that he's presenting to the Father those spiritual needs which were not present to our minds and which we often neglect to include in our prayers. And that he prays for our protection against the dangers of which we're not even conscious and against the enemies which threaten us though we don't notice it. He is praying that our faith may not cease and that we may come out victoriously in the end. What would it be like to hear Jesus praying for you? Robert Murray McShane said it this way, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. You and I can come confidently to the throne of grace because his suffering heart beats with ours and he prays for us. He's already praying for us, so we just need to join him there at the throne of grace. Mercy and grace are there for you because Jesus is there for you already. Kent Hughes tells the story of 71-year-old Bertha Adams. Bertha Adams died alone in West Palm Beach, Florida on Easter Sunday, 1976. The coroner's report read, cause of death, malnutrition. After she wasted away to 50 pounds, she could no longer stay alive. When the state authorities made their preliminary investigation of her place, they found what looked like a pig pen, they said. The biggest mess you can imagine, they said. Bertha had been begging food from her neighbors, and, and she got what, a, what clothes she had from the Salvation Army. From all appearances, she was a penniless, 
pitiful widow. But such was not the case. Amid all the mess of her unclean and disheveled belongings, two keys were found, which led officials to safe deposit boxes at two different banks. The discovery was absolutely unbelievable. The first box contained over 700 AT&T stock certificates, plus hundreds of other valuable certificates, bonds, and securities. Not to mention, along with those, a stack of cash amounting to nearly $200,000. That was box number one. In the second box, they found a stack of cash, $600,000. Bertha Adams was a millionaire. (laughs) But Bertha Adams' great wealth did her no good, nor did it do good for anyone else she knew. Bertha had the keys. She had the keys. If only she had used them. Friends, there is an untold wealth of mercy and grace for us and for those whom God has given us. In the undefeated and understanding heart of Jesus, we have the keys to an endless supply of mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We have the keys to untold wealth of mercy and grace. So I want to, at the conclusion now of this sermon, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. I want to give you an opportunity to go to the throne of grace, to take your keys and open the safe deposit boxes and get some mercy and grace. Um, the worship team's going to play softly. And those of you at home, hey, kids, just chill for a few minutes and give your mom and dad a chance to pray for a minute. You pray. But all of us here, we're going to just be quiet right where we are. And I I just want you to take whatever it is, whatever's going on in your heart and your life. Jesus knows it. Jesus sees it. It's not going to shock you. Whether it's suffering or sin, it's not going to shock him. So take it to him. Um, He hears your heart. You've heard his heart in his word this morning. Talk to him. Commune with him. And then uh, Nathan will lead us in a song at the close of just a few minutes of silent prayer.